The run across Canada, 108 kilometers a day, 66 days in a row, makes people turn their heads. It was an ambitious goal. Across Canada run, 72,000 kilometers in just over two months. It would break a 27-year-old world record. It would raise money for rare disease research in Canada. And it would make a great story. But sometimes, what ends up making a story great is that it doesn't go exactly as planned. It's a terrible thing. It's a, it's a very challenging thing for any athlete to do, to admit that I, I knew it would end up. On this week's episode of The Shakeout, as one man attempts to run across Canada, he learns one of the hardest lessons that runners must face, the lesson of when to quit. But before we bring you this story, here is a word from our sponsor. Petzl, a leading manufacturer of running headlamps, understands that there is never enough daytime to get everything done. That's why you run at night or early in the morning. To run efficiently in the dark, you need a light that allows you to clearly see the obstacles in front of you. The new Petzl Bindi is a lightweight and rechargeable headlamp for running, weighing only 35 grams and providing 200 lumens of brightness. The Bindi is compact enough to fit inside that small pocket in your running shorts. The thin and easily adjustable headband offers several ways to wear or mount the lamp so that you can see and be seen on the road. You can find the Bindi at your favorite Petzl dealer or on Petzl.com. Dave Proctor of Okotoks, Alberta, began running ultramarathons 12 years ago. One of my friends, he ended up signing up for the Lost Ultramarathon. And it was a 100-kilometer race. And the way that he kind of you know, discussed this with me, it, it just sounded so romantic. It sounded so cool that somebody could travel 100 kilometers on trail and on difficult, challenging trail, 100 kilometers, and, and, and this is humanly possible. So, you know, I've, I've always been very curious about what the human body and, and mind can do. So why not me? All romance aside, Proctor's first experience of an ultramarathon was a difficult one. I really had my butt handed to me. It was um, one of the more painful experiences of my life. You know, I thought I was well-trained. It turned out I wasn't at all. thought I was mentally prepared. turns out I wasn't at all. But upon completing that race, I told myself within minutes, there's, there's no way I'd ever do this ever again. Like, why, why, would, why would a human put themselves through this? But there was something about the ultramarathon that enticed Proctor, and he ended up signing up again the following year. Just because, you know, I think that's, that's, that's what, what us humans do. We, um, we, we, we put these challenging you know, things in front of ourselves, and we want to we wanna see really kind of what we're made of and what, what we could possibly do. It's clear when you talk to Proctor that he's the type of person who is always reaching for more and constantly needs a bigger challenge. And following a few more races in North America, he set his bar even higher. So the, the further and further I've gone along with, with my running career, I, I've come to realize that, wow, you know, you can only get so fit. You can only get so you know, physically strong. But the mental piece, I, I have yet to kind of go where I need to go with my ultra running to really be able to set that bar as high as I, I really do want to set it. And so that's what's really quite neat over the last many years. And this is exactly why the run across Canada to break the Trans-Canadian speed record, I believe, is now very, very attainable. 
is because I've done all these other things. Why can't I do this? The previous Cross Canada record was set in 1991 by Al Howie, who completed it in 72 days. Proctor would attempt to break this record by completing it in just 66 days. For Proctor, running across Canada would serve two purposes. The first was to break the record, but the second was more personal and came to him while he broke the 24-hour treadmill record in which he ran 260K in a single day. You know, I keep thinking back to the moment that when, when I ended up breaking the, the Guinness World Record by running on the, you know, the furthest distance run on a treadmill in 24 hours, I, I ended up running 260.4 kilometers on a treadmill that day. And I remember 22 and a half hours in, my friend Blaine Penny came to me and, and, he, and he gave me this motivational talk because I, there was nothing left. And I remember he ended up pointing at a, at a picture on my treadmill. And it was my son, Sam. Proctor's nine-year-old son has a rare disease. It's called relapsing encephalopathy with cerebellar ataxia, RICA for short. It's an incredibly rare neurological condition. And what it means for Sam is that his movement and coordination are restricted. If he suffers a relapse, he could lose all movement. And my friend Blaine told me, he says, Dave, Let's not forget that if your son could run like you right now, he would never stop. And you want to stop because you're physically uncomfortable. And he said, I, I don't think you should be okay with that. And I think that Blaine was absolutely right. In addition to breaking the record, Proctor had the goal of raising awareness and over $1 million for rare disease research. In order to raise funds these days and in, in order to create awareness, you have to create a big circus with a big lion and a massive elephant and a you know funny clown. And you know what? The run across Canada, 108 kilometers a day, 66 days in a row, makes people turn their heads. In order to plan for this two-month journey, Proctor couldn't do it alone. He worked with an extensive team, which included communications, logistics, sponsorships, branding, and members of the Rare Disease Foundation, not to mention all of the training. I only run four days a week. One of the runs is recovery, but the three runs are all longer days. And so typically I'll run a longer run of, you know, 50 to, to 80 kilometers. And yeah, then I'll take the next day off completely. I'll do some yoga. I'll do some stretching. I'll do some, some strength training. And then I'll be back out running the next day. And that'll be another long day of 50 to 80 kilometers. Another essential part of the preparation, according to Proctor, was the support of his spouse, Sharon. You know, the number one person I needed to get on board, of course, was my wife. You know, this is a over two-month attempt. Um, this is a long time to be taking away from your career and, and then a lot of logistics with the family because you know, the family came along with me. And so, you know, of course, like any good relationship, you, you should always turn to your spouse first and and say, hey, are, are, are we okay to do this? I mean, you know, the time commitments, the, the financial commitments. And I, I'm very lucky. I don't know of anybody around me that has a better support system and a supportive wife than, than I do. He had pulled me outside. This was after he had done this the treadmill record. And um, he poured me a glass of wine. And we're just sitting out in our backyard. And, yeah, he said, hey, what if I ran across Canada? And I just started chuckling. I was waiting for what would be next. 
was the next thing. And at the same time, I just thought it was so funny and it got me excited. I'm in and let's make this happen. Let's do this for the rare disease. Let's bring in a lot of awareness. And I, I knew he was very capable of doing it. Day one. On June 27th, Dave Proctor set out for the start of his cross-Canada run in Victoria, British Columbia. It was early morning and the start of a long day. In order to complete the end-to-end run in 66 days, Proctor would have to run 108 kilometers each day, and he would take it day by day. That was the initial plan. Day one, it was interesting because I kept thinking beforehand, that um, you know, all I need to do is 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 focus on the next tree, or all I need to do is focus on that that next town that I need to run to. I don't I don't need to run to St. John's today. All I need to do is run to the RV where I'm going to be receiving aid. Despite his attempt to break up the 72,000 kilometers into daily increments, distances that were easier to digest physically and mentally, Proctor ran into trouble early on. But, you know, knowing very well that you're, you know, you're, you're dipping your hat in, in, in the ocean on one side and, and really for the next over two months, you have to run all the way across the country, um, you know, over 100 kilometers a day, every single day. You know, you can't really eliminate yourself from that truth. That truth is right there. And so as I was running, yeah, there was a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of fear. There was a lot of, you know, I kept telling myself, Dave. You know, you're, you're better than this. Just run to, you know, the ferry, run to that next town and 20, 30 kilometers at a time. But the fear and anxiety did kind of take over as much as I like to think that I, I could handle it. I, I didn't handle it all that well. I went to, to bed that night and, and I just had this, this anxiety. And, I, and so I didn't sleep at all. It was really quite a long, long night because, you, you know, those nights when you end up kind of slamming your fist against the the bed and you're like why can't I sleep and the more you do that of course you don't sleep and so I remember waking up in the morning realizing wow I only got like two hours sleep Um, I got to get back out and do another 120 some plus plus kilometer day how am I going to do this without sleep sleep is tricky and when you don't get enough of it worrying about not getting enough can only make the problem worse and as Sharon remembers that's what happened to Proctor over the, over the first week or so, I, I think that the anxiety and that kind of that fear kind of kind of fed my my, my sleep deprivation. I just wasn't sleeping at night, and then my sleep deprivation was in turn feeding the anxiety and fear, and it was it was a really bad cycle, and nothing really got sorted out until I ended up running with one, my my very good friend Greg Curtis on day six, and Greg looked at me and he said, "Dave, why are you why are you so angry?" And I, you know, of course, I combated him. I told him that he was wrong. And, um, and he, he said, Dave, either you're going to have to go to bed for 12 hours or tomorrow and the next day, you're physically incapable of doing this. You, 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 you will fail. Um, yeah, it was definitely like an emotional roller coaster. You know, on the outside, I see he's, he's like excited and he's just, he just wants to share this with everybody. And then then there's the lows, those times where we're in the RV and it's just that time of just crashing. 
One of the biggest highs came as the Proctors arrived near their hometown in Calgary, Alberta for a fundraising event, 11 days into the run. By the time I hit Calgary, there were two big lifts. Number one, my family was going to be running with me the rest of the way. They were going to be now you know, joining the entourage and, and coming with my, my kids. And it was so great to know that every single night when I get done my run, my kids are going to be there. And also to see all my friends and family at the Staples event and to have everybody rooting for me and cheering me on, you know, it's just, it's that, what, a, what a lift. Despite conquering his sleep problems and being uplifted by the incredible moral support of his friends and family, Proctor's high would soon come crashing down. But before we get to this detour in Proctor's story, here is a quick word from our sponsor. Petzl, a leading manufacturer of running headlamps, understands that there is never enough daytime to get everything done. That's why you run at night or early in the morning. To run efficiently in the dark, you need a light that allows you to clearly see the obstacles in front of you. The new Petzl Bindi is a lightweight and rechargeable headlamp for running, weighing only 35 grams and providing 200 lumens of brightness. The Bindi is compact enough to fit inside that small pocket in your running shorts. The thin and easily adjustable headband offers several ways to wear or mount the lamp so that you can see and be seen on the road. You can find the Bindi at your favorite Petzl dealer or on Petzl.com. By the time he hit the Saskatchewan-Manitoba border, um, the pain started coming on and it wasn't just pain, it was just, it was an absolute searing, complete stop. It hurt so bad. And uh, I started getting heavy, heavy sensations in the nether region, you know, started losing function and whatnot. And the pain made it so that I couldn't take one more step. Proctor had made it to the prairies and he was in incredible pain. But this pain wasn't something that came out of the blue. In fact, it was there even before his first day of running in Victoria. And he and his team of supporters doubted that he would even be able to start. My back injury was in my mind the entire time that I was running. What ended up happening was the day before I started, when I was in Victoria, I was dismounting a, a motorcycle. And I know that sounds ridiculous. Why, why would you do that the day before you... Um, uh, we're running across the country, but I was getting off of a motorbike and I felt this twinge and this stabbing pain in my, in my back and it shot right down my leg. And, and I went back with my crew and my, my team and we, I ended up getting on a lacrosse ball the entire night and trying to stretch it and thinking, I was thinking, Oh no, I, I can't feel my right leg. I'm, I'm screwed. We've ended up putting in over two years of, of work into this. We have a, a wrapped RV. We have all these sponsors that have come forward and, and I, I can't do this. And whether it was safe for him to run or not, the morning of day one, Proctor woke up feeling no pain. And so he started to run. So at the end of the first day, I remember I got done and even within 10, 20 minutes, that pain that just like shot down my leg. And just right when I stopped, that's when the pain was the worst. So every single night from day one, day two, day three, all the way even into Calgary, every single day when I would stop, I would get heavily medicated and I would lie flat on my back or lie flat on my tummy and try to decompress that pain, try to get that, that inflammation away from my disc. I, I knew that I herniated a disc at that point. I just didn't know how bad it was. It, it was. it was definitely a struggle 
and trying to support and be there for him wasn't easy at all, right? And it was hard to see him at the those times where he was in so much pain, and yet you can't do anything for him. It's like, how do I help you? All I could do was just stay strong and be his support, be his wife, do what he needs, and also consider what's best for him. You're probably wondering, why would he even start the run? It wasn't just a single race, just one day of running. What he had signed up for was a 66-day, 72,000-kilometer cross-Canada run. By the time that I ended up getting to Brandon, Manitoba, I went into the hospital and I said, I've got to take a day off and I've got to go get this medically assessed. With the MRI that they ended up taking in the hospital, they told me that I have a severe herniated disc on the right S1, but also a central narrowing of my spinal column at 70%. At that point, you know, all my medical team back at home, we were all getting on the phone with one another and they told me, Dave, if you start getting these four red flags at any point, you have to stop because it's now surgical. Any step that you take past those points is going to affect the rest of your life. And I'm, I'm 37 years old and I've got three young kids. I can't have that. I got back after my run and my run that day was 12 kilometers. It was really quite pitiful. And I told my wife, Saren, I said, Saren, I, I can't quit. It's not in my DNA. I can't stop. I said, but what I can do, Saren, is I can give you the control and power to be able to stop me. If you tell me stop, I'll stop. It was hard in one way, but easy in another where it was like, you know, I'm in mom mode and I'm in wife mode of we need to think about his health and long term. And like this whole event of him running, it isn't everything. He does have a life outside of this. And we need to think about that and, and his family. So for me, it was like, yeah, don't we need to stop this? But it was really heartbreaking at the same time because I knew how much he wanted it. And he couldn't say to himself, yeah, you know what, I'm done. I shouldn't be running anymore. So I said to him, no, no, you can't. It's, it's time for you to be done. And so on Saturday, July 28th, near Winnipeg, Manitoba, Dave Proctor announced that he would have to stop running. It's a terrible thing. It's a, it's a very challenging thing for any athlete to do, to admit that this goal was now ended. And to be honest with you, a week before, I, I knew it was ending. It was a very slow death, but on that day, it, it ended. It wasn't just about breaking a record. More importantly, and more urgently, he wanted to raise awareness for rare disease. And in order to complete that goal, he undertook a two-year planning process, hiring a huge administrative team, getting sponsors, and meeting with families who had their own experiences of rare disease. I can imagine the pressure he was under to start, telling his son that he would be running across the country for him, for his health and happiness. So yeah, I get it. Every single day, there would be well-wishers on the side of the road. And it, it really wasn't about the run. It was about rare disease. And, you know, a lot of these people that would come out and they would introduce themselves. And I ended up meeting a family who their 13-year-old daughter passed away the previous year of a rare disease. 
Could you imagine that? Could you imagine losing your child? And all these people, the kids with rare disease are coming out of the woodwork and saying, Dave, thank you so much. This is amazing what you're doing. Keep going, keep pushing. And here I am knowing in the back of my mind that I'm, I'm stopping. I felt at that point that, that I was letting them down. The day that I ended up stopping, I went up to my son and, and we, we were cuddling. And I told him, I said, Sam, I'm really, really sorry. I, I wanted to run across the country for you. And I, I won't be able to do that. And I remember he was cuddling with me and he said, Dad, Dad, it's okay. You tried your hardest. I'm I'm very I'm very lucky. This campaign, this push, this awareness cannot stop with me stopping running. It, it just can't, because there was something that was far better, far more important that was happening than me going for a silly run. You know, I talked to my team, and we came up with a plan within hours. So what we ended up doing the next morning was, I ended up making a video with me and Sharon and the kids and I told all of our, all of our followers that this campaign is no longer continuing. I, I medically cannot go on. But but Outrun Rare has to continue. And we're now changing this. Our slogan before was one man, 66 days, 7,200 kilometers. And it's now changing to one country, 66 days, 7,200 kilometers. And what I'm asking for is every runner in Canada, every walker in Canada, anybody who can get to a place on their own two feet, please help me. And I can no longer run, but you can. And so you can go to our website, outrunrare.com, um, and click on virtual run. And you can donate your kilometers. If you go for a 20-kilometer run or a 5-kilometer walk, you can donate those kilometers, and you can help us finish our task to get to St. John's. To date, Canadians have pledged over 50,000 kilometers and nearly $300,000 for rare disease research in Canada. This run across Canada, now I look back at it, it really didn't matter because what ends up happening in the end with you know the human spirit that's what matters proctor had high hopes to run across canada and to do it in record time at around the halfway point he was forced to quit it was far from what he wanted what he had planned but what he learned from stepping back and reaching out to Canadians was that his cause mattered and that people were listening. And so, Proctor knows he still has work to do. Our goal was to finish off in St. John's. And that's where the Trans-Canadian speed record would end. And my, my hope was to get there in 66 days and break the Trans-Canadian speed record. That didn't happen. And so we're going to be finishing our event in Halifax. And it's not where we wanted to end it, and it's not how we wanted to end it either. So what we were planning to do was dip my cowboy hat, my running hat, in the ocean, just off the coast of St. John's. And so when I get to Halifax, I'm going to walk up to the water, and I'm not going to dip my hat. And the reason why I'm not dipping my hat is because when you dip your hat, that sends the message that you're done. But I've got unfinished business, and I've still got a lot of work to do on this highway. We'd like to thank Dave and Sharon Proctor for sharing their stories with us this week. And thanks for listening. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Shakeout Podcast, and be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, 
and wherever else you listen to your podcasts. If you enjoyed listening to this and our other episodes, please write a review for us on iTunes. We are bringing you this podcast weekly. If you like it and are wondering how you can support us, please subscribe to Canadian Running Magazine in print or the digital edition. This certainly helps us bring you more great content. And finally, we'd like to thank the Ontario Media Development Corporation for their contributions to this podcast. Thanks for listening.